Hello and welcome back or welcome to episode one of the High Schooler's Guide to Psychology. Fun fact, this is the second time we're recording this episode because the first time didn't go very well at all. I'm your host, Ava, and I'm here with my co-host, Kate. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Kate, and I'm Ava's twin sister. Yes, and today's episode is just on the general basic biology structure of, like, your brain and, like, neurotransmitters and everything. I'm so excited. Yeah, so I actually don't like the physical science a lot, but unfortunately, it is necessary to have a basic understanding for the concepts I'm going to address later in the show, which are far more interesting. Oh, I forgot to put the disclaimer at the beginning, but as that name implies, I'm a high school student and not a professional psychologist. Obviously. Obviously. Otherwise, this would be way more professional and way more well done. Anyway, you should follow our Instagram at, at the underscore HSG um to psych which stands for the high schooler's guide to psychology also this episode will probably be shorter than future episodes or um i think they're all going to be around an hour and a half but this one will probably be a little less this one and the second one will probably be around an hour each so yeah kate do you have any opening commentary um not really but i am kind of tired today so i might not talk that much (laughs) But I have have come to the realization that I sound super annoying. Oh my gosh, I was recording. I've been editing the the audio for episode two. Um, I just finished putting that episode together today, actually. But I like had to cut myself out saying um so many times. It'd just be like an awkward pause, and then I just go like, um, well, okay. So anyway, then, and it's just like, okay. I didn't realize I talked like this, but apparently I talk really annoying, like. I sound like like really annoying, so I'm super sorry about that. Um, I don't like feeling annoying, and I don't like being annoying. Trust me, um, I don't. So I'm really sorry. Will you just, like, cut that out? I feel like I talk too much. (laughs) Okay. So just for a quick basic disclaimer, um, a lot of these first few episodes, most of the research did come from Crash Course Psychology. With a course, I did do my own research. Like, I would love to throw that out there. Like, no, I wasn't running experiments, but it, like, I'm not just like copying whatever Crash Course said and then like repeating you mean it. Hank Green. Well, yeah, Hank Green, cur- Crash Course, courtesy of Hank Green. Um, it's a Hank Green stand page. This is a Hank Green fan account. Um. Past Ava wanted me to let you know that this is going to be the worst episode. I don't know. I think it's. I think all the episodes are going to be, you know, sort of moderately good. Um. Also, I wanted to say, if you know me in real life, please don't ask me questions about this podcast because I will not remember the answer. If you be like, "Hey Ava, hey Ava, how do, how does neuroscience work?" I'll be like, "I don't know. Do you know how Google works?" And that will be all the answer you get. So the way our mind works is related to chemical balances, nerves, etc. So everything physiological is biological. And what that basically means is that your physiological senses and your like biological being are sort of interconnected. 
So the first thing we're going to talk about today is, of course, neuroscience, neurotransmitters, how your brain works. But the very first thing we're going to talk about is neurons, which are just ner nerve cells. Kate, do you know, um, so you know atoms, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're like the little tiny things, and people thought you couldn't split them, which is why their name means undivisible in Greek, but actually you can. And what happens if you split an atom, Kate? You get electrons and protons and neutrons. You get an atomic bomb, Kate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's Subatomic particles are just the things that are smaller than an atom. But what do people call the atom? An atom? I don't know. The building block of life? Precisely. So atoms are the building block of life. What do you think neurons are then? Building block of the building block of the building block of nerves. So they make up the nervous system. So they're the, basically the same as other cells, um, but they're very specialized. So you know how you have, you know, like, do you remember building those cell diagrams? Yes. Yeah. So it's like that, but they have a very special purpose. So just they're just like other cells, except they have electrochemical pieces that allow them to transmit signals to one another. So to understand why we think, dream, perceive, why we do en literally anything, we have to understand how neurons work. So there are, uh, wait, there, there are four different types of neurons. Kate, do you want to try guessing what they are? You've heard this episode before, so let's I see. literally can't remember any of them. I want you to try and guess. Um, Three of them end in polar. Um, bipolar? Bipolar is one. Uh... Oh gosh, he said polar, and I really want to say polar bear, but that's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, one of them is not called a polar bear cell, Kate. Oh, I can only think of bears. Um, subpolar. No, that's not right. Monopolar. What's another way to say mono? So you have a horse and it has one horn on it. What do you call it? Unipolar. Yeah, unipolar is another one. And then tripolar, maybe. What's another one? So you speak oh, one so language, you're monolingual. You speak two languages, you're bilingual. You speak three languages, what are you? Multilingual. So what do you think it is? Multipolar. Yes, and then the fourth one, it's a little mean. It's called a pyramidal cell. What the heck? <laughs> so in review, we have bipolar, unipolar, and multipolar, and pyramidal cell. And they can vary in length, with some being as long as a leg. Kate, in your head? I No, your nervous system is all throughout your body. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're right. Wait. But they're, like, like thin, though, right? Do they, like, twist up? I don't know. Oh, it's probably like people weird. saying like DNA can stretch across the whole world a million times. It's but then it's like they're curled super tightly so they just fit inside of you. Mm, well, I guess my legs are pretty short, so yeah. I guess it's not that impressive considering <laughs> your tiny, tiny legs. Kate's only five one. If you're listening, I'm five two, but I can be five three if I wear shoes. Kate's 5-1 in denial. There are three basic parts in each cell. Those are the soma, the dendrites, and the axon. Kate, do you remember what the soma is? I I remember I brought up fruit baskets. Okay, so we're going to not talk about <laughs> fruit baskets. The soma, I said it wrong. It's fruits basket. The soma is the cell body. It contains the important pieces of the cell. Kate, what are the important pieces of a cell? 
the mitochondria. Correct. Wait, really? Yeah. Also, nucleus. you know, nucleus, yes, and then also DNA. And then what are the dendrites? I just, I don't have a clue. So I remember what dendrites are because they sound sort of like dryads. And, you know, those are the tree spirits from Greek mythology. Yeah, you know, I really, when I was little, to be honest now still, I really wanted to be a dryad. Just imagine, like, just being a tree. That sounds so idealistic. I think I just had a crush on Apollo. <laughs> so the den- I think everyone did. So dendrites are, they're branch-like. They sort of reach out to each other, but they don't touch each other. And they receive messages and pass messages along. So they'll like tell the soma whatever information they receive. So they're like, they branch off of the soma and they receive information and then they pass the information along to the brain of the cell, which is the soma. Okay, so I messed up. They don't actually send messages. They just receive messages. Um, The axon sends messages. It's like like, axon? Axon. A-X-O-N. Axon is like... Like that's a, a brand yeah but is it the is it the shipping company i think they do gasoline are you thinking of fedex oh gosh you know i might be okay so the axon <laughs> the axon sends messages messages think of fedex <laughs> um it's longer than the dendrites and it's sometimes encased in a protective tissue called the malian sheath so the myelin sheath is like an insulation on a wire. It will speed up transmissions, and it will. And it depends on the type of neuron. So some of them won't have myelin sheaths, but some will. And damage to the myelin sheath can actually hurt signals, and that can actually lead to multiple scoliosis or a lack of muscle control. So the neuron scoliosis when you have a bad back. Yeah, I think I said it weird. It's S-C-L-E-R-O-S-I-S, not scoliosis. It's like... Oh, like what with a skull? But like scleriosis. <laughs> it sounds like... like I You'll learn really quick here on this podcast that I don't know how to pronounce words. Anyway, so the neuron will send signals upon receiving sensory input or when triggered by neighboring neurons. And they can, the connecting between the neurons is called a synapsis. So they don't touch. They meet in this little area called the synaptic gap. And like it's the dendrites connecting to the to the soma or to the axon. And they're like, here's a message. Oh my gosh, thank you for the message. But they like don't touch, right? They're just receiving messages and there's a little piece in between them called the synaptic gap. So again, it'll receive in the dendrites, send messages to the soma and send messages out to the other cells via the axon. And the synaptic gap is the place where the axon and neighboring dendrites almost meet, but they do not meet in the synaptic gap. And it's the axon and the dendrites in the synaptic gap. And so neurotransmitters will travel down the axon and jump across the synaptic gap and land in the receptors of the dendrites. Do you have any commentary thus far? No, it just sounds like a lot of words. So you're not paying attention is what you're saying. I'm trying my best to. Am I boring you, Kate? Um no. Hmm. So neurotransmitters bind perfectly into the receptor site, but they don't stay bonded. After they excite or inhibit the neuron, they are reabsorbed into the neuron that first re- uh, released them. And that is called reuptake. Kate. What do you think of the word reuptake? Um, it sounds like someone was drunk when they made it, but also like you're re-picking something up. Like 
you picked something up and then you weren't picking it up anymore and you're like oh guess I better pick it up again okay <laughs> so is that right well yeah I, I just said what reuptake is oh wait really <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm sorry I'm really tired so neurotransmitters for Kate's benefit <laughs> They will bind to the receptor site and then immediately be released after they have done their little neurotransmitter business, and they will be reabsorbed back into the neuron that released them in a process called what? Thank you. And so neurons will communicate with one another. The dendrites will receive messages and the axons will send messages with neurotransmitters. So that's how they're going to communicate with one another. It's like they're throwing little paper airplanes at each other. Then they're like quickly unfolding it and reading it and like throwing it back. So neurotransmitters allow for most brain functions, um, mainly movement and emotion, but a lot of them, just like pretty much every brain function. So, Kate, what's your favorite neurotransmitter? What? What's your favorite neurotransmitter? I said what I said. Are these like the serotonin, dopamine thing? Yep. Uh, gosh. Yes. I don't have one. Just pick serotonin or dopamine and be basic, Kate. I don't want to be basic, though. I want to be a transcendentalist. I bet the transcendentalists had favorite neurotransmitters. Maybe they did. Just they pick one. They can't all be Emerson. What's wrong with Emerson? He probably had a favorite neurotransmitter. Is that a bad thing? Maybe, Ava. Maybe it just makes you a nerd. I don't know. Well, Kate, my favorite neurotransmitter <laughs> <laughs> is norepinephrine. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> because it's released after stressful events, so I'm sure I have a lot of it. Norepinephrine controls alertness, and it's an excitatory neurotransmitter. So, if okay, you're very stressed, so I'm real tired. you will get norepinephrine, and it will make you more awake so you can better adapt to your stress. It's sort of like the hormone adrenaline in that way. Um, but please don't make that comparison in an official paper because I'm not absolutely sure that is just the first thing that came to mind. Anyway, Kate, there are also other neurotransmitters like endorphins, which you can compare to opium. Um, so opium controls pain and gives pleasure. Like, do you remember, um, do you remember reading The Hunger Games? Yeah. And you remember in, like, book two there were those morphine addicts? Oh yeah. So morphine is just a type of opium, and do you and so you like know what it did to them? It made them not think. Yeah, so that's what too much endorphins would do to you. But generally, endorphins are a good thing. They like cause the runners high and everything like that. You running? (laughs) And then there's dopamine and serotonin, which are the basic neurotransmitters. But I actually like them a lot. I have. They drink Starbucks, Ava. Are they Visco girls? Do you hate them because they're not like you? What do you have against basic people, Ava? I have nothing against basic people, Kate. I'm actually very basic myself. Yeah. For example, kind of basic right now. I see your scrunchie. So dopamine. It. It. I actually. Yeah. So dopamine is how we feel pleasure. It allows for thinking and planning, and it's both excitatory and inhibitory. And guess what too much dopamine can lead to, Kate? Um, too much happiness. 
schizophrenia. Oh. And then there's serotonin. I actually, one of my favorite necklaces is the chemical, is like the molecular structure for serotonin. It's real nerdy. She looks like a real nerd when she wears it. That's not true. I think it's cute. It is cute, but it's cute in like a, oh, she must go to the library kind of way. So serotonin, it is it forms emotions and motor skills, and it's also a mood stabilizer. Its absence is linked to depression, which is why it's so trendy. And then there's glutamate, which is the fourth neurotransmitter I've chosen. No, it is the fifth neurotransmitter I've tra- I've decided to mention, and it, it deals with memory and it ex- and it's excitatory. So guess how many different neurotransmitters there are, Kate? Ten. So we've talked about five, right? Yeah. Do you think those five cover basically everything? Perhaps. Do you think twice as many would cover everything? Perhaps. What about 20 times? Perhaps. <laughs> so there's a hundred different types of neurotransmitters. Only a hundred? Only a You just said there were ten! <laughs> well, I feel like it would make more sense if there were ten, but if there's a hundred, are you sure there isn't like a hundred and one? Like, how is it exactly a hundred? It says nearly one hundred. I would say it's like 97 or something. It's just in the 100 range. They count in 94 and they're like, good enough. <laughs> exactly. 100. The different types of neurotransmitters, they're excitatory, inhibitory, and they control all brain functions. All of them. So. Wow, all of them? All of them. Wow. So then, what do you think an excitatory neurotransmitter does? It makes things go fast. Excitatory transmitter make brain go burr. Yeah, <laughs> it releases action potential. And what do you think an inib- inhibitory neurotransmitter does? It says no. It tells you you can't do that. It relaxes neurons and decreases the chance of sending out action potential. All right, so we've talked about neurotransmitters, and now we're going to talk about the second way neurons, uh, well, not neurons, but the second way you transmit information along systems. And we just finished like neurotransmitters. Emails? Like emails, yes. I was about to make that metaphor. But now we're talking about what system. You've already heard this episode, so you should know this. Eva, if you know anything about me, you know I have the memory of a goldfish. And I only remember Soma from this episode because of Fruit Basket. Okay, so we're talking about the endocrine system. Oh, that thing! Yeah, and do you remember what the endocrine system is exactly? No. So it will also deliver messages, albeit a little slower than neurotransmitters, um, and it's just a set of glands that release hormones into your bloodstream. So it, it doesn't send messages along your nervous system or with neurotransmitters, but it's hormones in your bloodstream. But it's sending messages to your brain all the same. And it's a lot slower than neurotransmitters. A way to think of that would be like text or email versus like a letter. So Snail mail? Like snail, yes, snail mail. I love snail. So, okay, so picture this, Kate. I text you. I say, dinner is ready. Wow, I've never gotten that text from you before. No, I don't even add the last two words. It's just dinner. Oh, you mean 90% of our messages? Simple, straight to the point. Dinner. You read it. You say, oh, 
dinner you go <laughs> so then so then you're like dinner dinner is ready dinner is in the kitchen you leave wherever you are probably crocheting in the craft room you leave the craft room you say dinner is ready you're walking you sit down you have dinner that's it that's the end of the interaction the next day you've forgotten all about it you're like hi i had dinner last night you don't remember that it was your dear loving sister who told you about it who made that possible for you but guess what kate guess what what? We're gonna go to college soon, oh, and so I don't want to go to college. Imagine I, I send you. Imagine I send you a letter from college, Kate. You better. And it says, Kate, guess what? Tonight for dinner, I had, I made gnocchi. Oh, that's really good. You know, we should really make gnocchi. So you read this letter. You say, Ava had gnocchi for dinner last night, and you're gnocchi. And you're thinking about it. You're cherishing that memory. You're saying, I wish I was there. I wish I had the gnocchi last night. It's going to remain in your head a little longer, this letter that I sent you, rather than this text that I sent you, right? Yeah, you I get the text faster. Gnocchi. You get the text and you immediately go have dinner. But you forget about it. I'm about to it's just poof, a noise. poof, gone. You've forgotten about the text message. However, you remember the letter. And that is exactly... So that's exactly how the neurotransmitters, oh my gosh, I just hit my laptop. So that's exactly how the neurotransmitters and endocrine systems work. You will get the neurotransmitter message faster, but you're going to remember the message from the endocrine system a little bit longer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you're going to get it way slower, but you're going to, it's going to linger in your system for a few seconds where the neurotransmitters is just like, and gone. Okay. All right, so the hormones will travel through to your brain like the neurotransmitters, and they will travel through the bloodstream, and that will actually affect other tissues. So not only does the endocrine system send messages, it will affect things like your circadian rhythm, your moods, your metabolism, your immune system. Um, and there are three different um, things that it affects. It will affect your attraction, your appetite, and your aggression. We call it triple A here in the biz, like the battery and like the car place that helps you if you have an accident oh oh my gosh wait you're right they both do have the same name for some reason i just assumed it was the same company so the nervous and endocrine system are similar but different just like us <laughs> <laughs> please tell me that's not in your notes it's not it's just i made that up on the spot wow comedic genius Thank you. Um, they both give chemical chemical signals to your brain, but at very different speeds. Anyway, there are many different types of hormone-producing glands. There are the adrenal glands. Kate, do you know what those produce? Adrenaline. Good job. What's another name for adrenaline? Fast. <laughs> Epinephrine. And there's the pancreas, which does insulin, the thyroids, which do metabolism, and the parathyroid, which also does metabolism. There's the pituitary gland. Kate, what do you think about the pituitary gland? It sounds pituitary. Thank you, Kate. It is the most important. It will release um, two different hormones. Do you want to guess? Wow, two? Yeah, so it, if it's the most important, do you want to guess what these two are? Oh, gosh. Is it serotonin and dopaminase? Kate, those are neurotransmitters. Yes. We're talking about hormones. Oh. Estrogen? No. Well, maybe. No. No, because that those aren't just one person. Like one like yeah, no. That it would have to be something that's in everybody. Um, it's the growth hormone and the love hormone. Kate, do you know what the love hormone is called? You should. You were in freshman biology with with the same teacher I had. The cuddle hormone? 
Yes, do you remember what it's called? No. It's called oxytocin. Oh, yeah, that one. The cuddle hormone. You were correct. Very cute name for oxytocin. And everything works as a sort of feedback loop. So now we're going to talk about Franz Joseph Gall and phrenology. Phrenology was a science. It was a pseudoscience. It has since been disproved. And um, anything ringing a bell here? It has to do I'm, with your head. I'm thinking. Think. Franz Joseph Gall was wrong about a great many things, um, but one of the things he did get right was that function is localized. And he was right about this because he said you could tell how smart a person was by feeling the shape of their skull. Oh, is that true? That is true. No, Kate, phrenology is a pseudoscience. I just... You said he was right about, like... A great many things. And he said he believed that function was localized, or we get the idea that function was localized from Franz Joseph Hall. But phrenology, there is nothing really scientific about it. So again, Franz Joseph Hall, Gall thought you could the shape of your skull would tell you how things are running inside. Um, he was right about at least one thing, and that is that different parts of the brain control different areas of behavior. Again, function is localized. And what that means is specific parts of your brain have important and very different functions. So vision, memory, speech, etc., they're all controlled in different parts of the brain. And that will be like the auditory cortex, the visual cortex, all that sort of thing. And yeah. So now we're going to talk about the central nervous system. What do you remember about the central nervous system? That's like your brain, right? Yeah, sure. Um, it makes all the big decisions in your body. So it, it use, we use almost all of our brain for nearly every task, even tiny tasks. You know the rumor that's like, you only, like humans only use 20% of their brain. Like, have you heard that? Yeah. Like, imagine what we could do if we unlocked the rest of the imagine 80%. what Phil could do if he had 100% of its power. So here's the thing. We actually use 100% of our brain. <laughs> <laughs> I think Phil could have already broken out of Grace Place if he used 100% of his brain. Did you just say Grace Place? Is it not? Oh, it's Grace Field, isn't it? <laughs> it's a Grace Place, though. It's so fun. It, we, each part of our brain contributes to, to every task in some way. So, for example, the auditory cortex will allow you to hear what's going on, while the visual cortex will allow you to see what's going on, and that'll allow you to complete the task, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what, Kate? What? Brains use 20% of our body's energy. 20%? And guess how much mass they hold in our body? 1%. About 2%. Oh, I was real close. You were real close. I was half there. Okay, but Kate, that's 20% of our energy every single day for 2% of our body mass. I mean, it makes sense. You do a lot of thinking. Yeah. I mean, I don't, but... No thoughts, head empty. Exactly. So simpler animals will have simpler brain structures and vice versa. So more complex animals will have more complex brain structures. And that is because of something called the old brain, which I will talk about in a little bit. The simplest brain structure will be will tell you to do the things that are basically muscle memory, things you don't have to think about. And like ret, um, breathing. Are like you going to do the breathing manually thing again? Because that was so mean. Yeah. So anyway, the simpler animals, their brain structures will allow them to think about resting, eating, breathing, 
And then the more complex animals will have structures that allow them to philosophize, to philosophize, to remember, to predict, to feel, to reason, to think about the universe and try to uncode its mysteries. To be a transcendentalist. To be a transcendentalist. So, more complex structures are built upon simpler systems. So the old brain, which I mentioned earlier, is located at the center of our brain. It will perform the most basic functions, and then the brain becomes more advanced as it moves outwards because the, sim the co more complex brain is built upon the simpler brain in layers. You can actually trace evolution through the brain structure of an animal. Wow. The old brain is located yeah. at the center of our brain. It performs the most basic functions. And then it'll become more advanced as it slowly moves outwards, like I said. So th things that don't take any conscious thought to function, like breathing, your heart beating, etc., those all have to do with the old brain. And then the limbic system will separate the old brain from the newer brain. And the most advanced part of our brain is the gray matter. So Kate, the gray matter is the most advanced part of our brain. It takes up 85% of our brain weight and it allows us to think, speak, and perceive. Yeah, I've heard of gray matter before in like horror shows. And you're like, it's splattered on the walls. Those are always the best shows. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's was... not where I saw this conversation going. <laughs> um, it might have been The Walking Dead, which I stopped watching after. Is like... that really a horror show, though? The Walking Dead, yeah, it's scary. And the left and right hemispheres of the gray matter are connected by something called the corpus callosum. So... We are now discussing the cerebral cortex, and that is a part of the gray matter. It is the most advanced part of our brain. It is a thin layer of many interconnected neurons. Kate, do you remember what a neuron is? Um, it's like a atom, but for your, um, it, for it's your an, nervous system. It's a nerve cell, yes. Do you remember the three parts? This is a pop quiz. Ava, I didn't study. Um, nucleus, mitochondria, and DNA. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the three parts that make up a neuron. Those are, those are three things in the soma. Hint, hint. Ah, fruit baskets, um, the dryads. The dendrites. And, um, the other one. The other one. Thank you, Kate. Anyway, so humans will have a much larger cerebral cortex than other mammals, and the size of our brain in comparison to body weight will actually not give an accurate representation of how smart a creature is, but the size of the cerebral cortex accurate um, com Sorry. at representation of, ha of how smart a creature is. So if you look at a cerebral cortex, you should be able to tell if the mouse is like... Oh my gosh. You should be able to tell if the animal is like, say, a mouse or a human. I'm going to Well, probably the light not that specifically. Sure. Kate has left again. So anyway, <laughs> the cerebral cortex should be about one-tenth of an in inch thick, but it takes up 80% of your brain's weight. Yes. 80% is a big number. 80% is a big number. And then there are glial cells which are non-neural cells that surround and support the brain. So your brain, it has a lot of neurons, which are nerve cells, but it also has glial cells, which support your brain. And then there's the cerebral cortex, which we've been talking about, the thin layer of interconnected neurons, and it's divided into four specific lobes. Kate, do you know what these lobes are called? Um, frontal lobe? Yes. Um, the other ones? Partial, occipital, and temporal. 
Like tempora? Like tempora. So then there's the, so the frontal lobe deals with speaking, planning, judging, abstract thinking, your personality, and your memory. Sounds like a pretty good deal, huh? Yeah. Then there's your partial lobe, which deals with sense of touch and your body position. So this would probably be like your kinesthetic sense, which we get more into in episode two. Then there's the occipital lobe, which mostly deals with your sense of sight. And then finally, there's the temporal lobe, which does comprehension, sound, speech, hearing, and language. So the cerebral cortex is separated by fissures. The four lobes are separated by fissures, which are um, just how you say a prominent fold in the gray matter. Um, and then they are further divided even amongst the four lobes. So the rest of the gray area is made up of association areas. And these association areas deal with things like thinking, remembering, learning, speaking, etc. And they're sort of more subtle than the other areas. So they will interpret sensory input and then integrate it into memories. So, so that is it for neuroscience. We've finished. Yay. Except we haven't. What? Because there are three things at the end that I want to talk about. Because since you're all new to this podcast, maybe, maybe you maybe listen to episode two first. Anyway, at the end of this podcast, I like to talk about two or three things that are just further ideas that aren't really in the curriculum that I wanted to talk about that like interested me while I was doing research. Usually they're historical ideas. Um, here we only have one historical idea, unfortunately. Lobotomies? No, they're, I'm not talking about lobotomies. That's your job for your episode. That Kate's writing an episode, everybody. Don't announce that because it might not happen. It's I'm going too. to happen. If That's I'm why I'm going to announce it and leave it in because Kate promised that she would and she means to be held accountable. So the first additional topic we're talking about is called dualism. Dualism? Kate, do you remember what dualism is? No, but it sounds like there's two of it. (laughs) There is two of it. It's actually one of my favorite psychological concepts. And all it basically means is that the mind and your body are separate entities. Oh, yeah. So you do remember what this is. Vaguely. So basically, for dualism, it's saying that your brain and your consciousness operate, like your physical brain and your consciousness, your mind, operate in the same sort of physical space, except one of them is more like a theoretical, and then the other is like this physical thing. So you, you have a hand, so like, say you have a hand, right? I do have a hand. And then if your hand did any intellectual work, you would have something other than your hand operating the same general space. And all dualism is saying is that they're separate entities. And in psychology, we study the consciousness, not the brain. So one of the first people to start thinking, one of the people who's attributed to like first thinking about dualism is actually the philosopher Rene Descartes. Rene Descartes? Descartes? Is it Descartes? I really don't know. Anyway, he's the guy who said, I think, therefore I am. No. That was, oh, never mind. I'm thinking of something else. I was thinking of no thyself, which was Aristotle. What? Anyway, Descartes, I think therefore I am like the Billie Eilish song. Also, like my Tumblr post, which got like 19 whole notes. About 19. I should really plug my Tumblr here. I'm going to cut that out because I was joking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually have almost 50 Tumblr followers, and my Tumblr is exclusively Haikyuu headcanons. So both philosophers and psychologists study dualism, which is probably why I like it so much, because I've often said that if we didn't live in a capitalist 
society. Oh my gosh, if we didn't live in a capitalist society, I'd be a chef or a philosopher. I might still be a chef. You'd be a good chef. No, because I'm scared of knives and fire. Maybe I'll be a bakery person. So your mind and your body must be made of different substances. So Kate, do you think your brain and your mind are made of different substances? Mm, No. You don't? Why? Um, because I think my brain is just the holding part for my mind, which means they are the same thing. Right, so you think your thoughts are made of the same thing as your brain? Sure. All right, so Kate... <laughs> the electricity? You think your brain is made of electricity? No, I think my thoughts... No, never mind, I take it back. I don't think they're the same thing. Okay, so you can doubt that you have a body, like if you're dreaming, but something must be doing the doubting, which is your mind. And so that was basically what Descartes was saying. Okay. Right, so like when you're sleeping, when you're dreaming, have you ever had a lucid dream? I don't think so. So like you you might doubt that you have a body, that you're like a physical entity if you're lucid dreaming, right? But you, something must be doing the doubting. So you're always going to have your mind, your consciousness with you, unless you're unconscious. We actually talk about Altered State of Consciousness, Episode 7. Anyway, the second thing we're talking about are called brain lesions. They're an abnormality in tissue. They're usually caused by a disease or trauma. But with um, these sort of things, we can study how different parts of the brain affect have different effects on behavior. So that's the whole sort of thing that's like function is localized. So because there have been um, trauma victims, which is very horrific, but you can study then how like damaging different parts of the brain can have a different effect on behavior. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's really all I had to say on that. And then the last thing I want to talk about is something called neuroplasticity. And that's the brain's ability to change in structure or in order to continue function in response to damage. So neuroplasticity will allow you to create new neural pathways or to rewire ones that already exist. You know, like in Harry Potter when Fred and George reopened the tunnel to Hogsmeade. Yeah. That was blocked. Mm-hmm. It's I always picture it sort of like that where they're like reopening something that used to work, but then it doesn't and then you rewire it and it works again. And people's ability to have neuroplasticity decreases over time. So children's brains are the most plastic. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's pretty funky. That is pretty funky. All right, that's that's all I have. Okay, thank you for listening. I'm just going to do citations now so you can sign off if you want. Or if you're curious about where I did all my research, you can stay on. Anyway, thank you for listening. Kate, say goodbye. Bye. Bye. All right, here are my citations for episode one. That's going to be Crash Course number, Crash Course Psychology number four, sorry, uh, lumenlearning.com, Crash Course Psychology number three, Introduction to Psychology, First Canadian Edition, which is a textbook by Jennifer Wanglia and Charles Dangor, and that is going to be the chapter 4.2. Our brains control our thoughts, feelings, and behavior. Uh, Boundless psychology, which is also from lumenlearning.com, which I think I already said. So anyway, not a ton of sites for this podcast. Uh, Usually I have like 30 million. Um, Anyway, that's it for episode one. Bye. Yeah, bye. Thanks for listening.
Also, if you hear noises, it's our cat. No, it's not. It's not? She's sitting on the bed, but everybody knows it was not her. Oh, no. Um, If you hear noises, it's not our cat. We don't know either. I don't think this house is haunted. Not yet. Not yet. Just wait a little longer. (laughs) Well, Well, hope it becomes haunted one day. You can snap really well. I just can't snap. This is me trying. <laughs> Did you hear it? <laughs> I'll try again. Please. I can only snap with my right hand, though. Maybe I can do it with my left hand. Oh, I can do it with my left hand. Oh, Ooh, mirror image twin check. 